Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Culturally Competent Direct Care, meeting the LTSS needs of diverse, duly eligible beneficiaries. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on July 25, 2019. In this podcast, Andrew Adams, the Chief of Staff at Homebridge, discusses recruiting and retaining a diverse caregiver staff, and also how they train caregivers in cultural competence. Hi, everyone. This is Andrew. Um, as uh, Renee mentioned, I'm at an organization called Homebridge. We're based in San Francisco. Uh, Homebridge began in 1985 as a nonprofit ad- advocacy organization focused on ensuring that underserved populations receive in-home supportive services in a culturally competent manner. Um, and since 1994, uh, we've been providing direct in-home care to some of the most vulnerable residents of the San Francisco and the Bay Area. Uh, next slide, please. Um, our client populations um, very interesting. We uh, annually provide care to about 1,500 clients, about 75% of whom are dual eligible. Homebridge's client population is uh, 30% under 60, and we're increasingly seeing that our client population is skewing younger as our services are being utilized as an eviction prevention measure to help keep younger in-home supportive services recipients housed primarily in single resident occupant dwellings. Next slide. And one more slide, please. As you can see from this slide, um, Homebridge's clients are predominantly female. Uh, About half are racially, ethnically diverse. Uh, While we note that our client population is 2% transgender, we believe that this is really an underreporting and that our transgender population is significantly higher here in San Francisco. Next slide. Our caregivers, um, as uh, Renee mentioned, we refer to our caregivers as caregivers, we refer to our direct care workers as caregivers, uh, and Hobridge employs about 350 Uh, caregivers. 83% are female, and over 90% are are racially and ethnically diverse. In the past five years or so, uh, we've seen a a significant shift in our workforce with a doubling of the number of new caregivers who are 25 or younger, um, termed as transitional age youth. What we've we've observed with this is that generally this transitional age youth population has little to no work experience, and as a result, requires a lot more direct cultural competency training than the older population of caregivers. Next slide. Because we serve such a diverse client population, we also require a diverse caregiver staff to meet the client's needs. And so recruiting and retaining a diverse workforce is uh, challenging. And on this slide, uh, you'll see some of the tactics we use to assist in this endeavor. Um, It starts with accessibility. We make sure that our marketing materials, our applications, the job descriptions are all available in multiple languages. Uh, We're really proud that our supervisors and team members speak over 25 languages. And um, it's also important that um, we honor lived experiences. Um, You'll see on the slide there, uh, we do target populations with barriers to employment, which means we also need to employ a workforce development team. We're a fair chance employer. Uh, One of our most effective recruiting sources is by advertising ourselves as a fair chance employer. This means that we are actively recruiting people who are previously incarcerated 
and even recruit in jails and prisons with people who are shortly being released. Because we work with vulnerable clients, some convictions do prevent us from hiring people, but overall, we found that this population is incredibly reliable, hardworking, very compassionate, and appreciative of the opportunity to work. Uh, also note there that honoring lived experiences includes um, hiring uh, caregivers who are reflective of our client population and communities, and we make sure to use preferred names and pronouns. Next slide. We found providing barrier removal support, that workforce development that I talked about, uh, and job coaching to be very effective. Uh, one of the things I wanted to call out on this slide is um, that we provide prepaid transit uh, cards to our caregivers. Um, transportation as, in San Francisco, as is around the country, is very expensive, um, and we know that the majority of our caregivers commute by public transit to come to work. And so we want to ensure that just getting to work is not an additional barrier uh, for our caregivers, and so we do provide prepaid transit uh, for them. Um, staff development is another important area for us for retention. Um, as you can see on the slide, uh, we have a employee referral program where we found that the majority of our new caregivers um, are actually uh, find Homebridge through other employees. Um, we offer peer mentorship, and uh, potential employees are also offered an opportunity to attend a four-hour professional development workshop. Homebridge understands the importance of supporting new employees entering the workforce by providing them the foundation of exploring key elements to long-term success as a caregiver. The goal of the workshop is to offer a voluntary pre-employment opportunity to learn more about Homebridge, learn more about their role in our organization, and to learn different types of communication styles, discovering various career options that exist at Homebridge. Um, ongoing professional development workshops also are provided uh, to our caregivers who are already our employees. Um, lastly, we offer continuous training opportunities, and this is one of our most um, important uh, points when we recruit staff. Um, in addition to CPR and first aid, our most popular training classes that our caregivers take are what we call specialized trainings. Uh, these are classes such as dealing with bed bugs, um, how to handle clients to hoard, handling challenging situations, how and when to report abuse, uh, how to deal with substance abuse that uh, consumers and clients are, do are uh, doing, and understanding mental illness. Uh, importantly, we offer these trainings in English, Spanish, and Cantonese. So next slide, please. Uh, I want to talk with you around um, the challenges we've had of, of recruiting culturally competent caregivers. Uh, in San Francisco, like around the country, the cost of living is, is very, very high, and unfortunately, most direct care workers are low-wage workers. Uh, about 18 months ago, Homebridge developed the STEPS program. It's an acronym for Skills Training and Employment Pathways. Uh, we did this to create three levels of caregivers uh, within Homebridge, where each successive level indicates having gained important new skills and also um, earning more money. Uh, also indicates working with more challenging uh, clients who have more complex, clear, complex, complex care needs. Um, in the past 18 months, over, 18, over half, sorry, over half of our 350 caregiver workforce uh, has progressed at least one step, if not more. And today we've had uh, over 12 caregivers in the past 18 months 
um, be promoted to uh, higher roles within the organization. Uh, so they've advanced through the three uh, caregiver steps we've created into uh, peer mentorship roles. And uh, importantly, over 25% of our care supervisors, these are people who uh, supervise caregivers and do client management for our clients, over 25% of our care supervisors are former caregivers. This is a huge shift for Homebridge. Uh, before we redesigned this program, the care supervisor type role was made up primarily of people who saw themselves as case managers and who had MSWs. Um, this has also resulted in higher retention, better client care, being able to provide a career growth pathway both inside and outside of our organization. Next slide. Importantly, as I mentioned before, we do a lot of our own training, uh, and this training is done on site. Uh, Homebridge over the years has really designed and privileged the concept of adult-centered learning. Uh, and adult-centered learning for us is really um, using and honoring the adult learning cycle. What this means is um, four things. One is that uh, we, we focus on having direct experiences. Uh, so we structure the learning experience by using small groups, offering case scenarios as we just did in this webinar, and doing role plays. Secondly, we, we make sure that we're reflecting on the experience. So we help learners focus on key points and sharing ideas and reactions with others. Third, we generalize about the experience. We help guide the learner to new insights based on their experiences and discussions. And lastly, we apply what's being learned. Uh, we try to coach the learner by providing feedback, advice, and encouragement. Um, you'll see there that we talk about the modules that develop the soft skills necessary for cultural competence, including respecting differences, conflict resolution, and communication. Homage employs a uh, philosophy of care uh, not only in our trainings, but in our interactions with our clients and with, e with each other in the, in the office uh, called Motivational Care Management, or MCM. MCM is a competency-based community support practice model that promotes consumer-centered care, culturally responsive care, uh, a strength-based approach, and a results-driven approach. Next slide. In our training modules, we talk about what culture is, uh, and we define culture as unique behavioral patterns and lifestyles that differentiate one group from another. So for example, a set of values, beliefs, or views that are transferred from generation to generation. Uh, oftentimes, they are manifested in daily life and routines and activities, or they're reflected in legends or drama, art, religion. We also importantly discuss ethnocentrism which is, as uh, Maria Leda was talking about, the evaluation of other cultures based on the values and customs of our own culture. Um, it's important that we, in our trainings, talk about diversity and cultural competence, uh, really having an ability to interact effectively with people of different cultures. Um, so what we teach is that first you have to have an awareness of one's own cultural worldview. What is my culture? What's my worldview that I'm bringing uh, to the situation. Um, second, an attitude towards cultural differences, being open to learning and being respectful of differences. Third is knowledge of different cultural practices and worldviews and cross-cultural skills. And lastly is developing cultural competence results in an ability to understand, communicate with, and effectively interact with people across cultures. Next slide. 
So homebridge caregivers are trained to care for diverse clients in a variety of ways. Uh, and I've, on the slide, given three examples. Uh, so the first one is, um, being in San Francisco, we do have a good number of transgender clients. Um, these clients um, not, uh, sometimes have not gone through the process of legally changing their name. And so when we first receive them as a client uh, from the Medicaid system, their name may be different than what they would prefer to be called. And so we have developed a system internally where we can update the care plan to reflect their preference. The second example I have is, um, as, as uh, I mentioned, all of our clients are Medicaid or here in California, Medi-Cal recipients, which effectively means they're poor. Um, but that has not necessarily been their lived experience for their entire life. And nor does being low income mean the same thing for everyone. And so we teach we shouldn't make assumptions about socioeconomic status. Um, third, uh, we take confidentiality and our uh, adherence to HIPAA very seriously. At the same time, we know that in some cultures, it is common to involve family when making health decisions. So we want to make sure and we teach that seeking the client's consent and permission before including family is important, but at the same time, including family for some clients is really important, and if we don't do that, we can come across as being rude or insensitive. Next slide. Um, so when we talk about client outcomes, there are a couple of ways in which Homebridge assesses this. Um, we do assess clients every one to four months, depending on the complexity of that client's needs. And we're really proud of the results that we've had. Um, we know that from the point at which a client is first referred to Homebridge to four months out, that, uh, for instance, we see a 46% reduction in 911 calls. We see a 44% reduction in emergency room visits and a 51% reduction in missed doctor's appointments. These are all important health metrics that we measure. Um, and I think, uh, going back to the cultural competence piece that feeds into that, um, one of our clients uh, said, Homebridge really understands me. Before Homebridge, I had providers who didn't speak my language, didn't respect my decisions, and didn't try to know me. My caregiver is absolutely wonderful and has saved me from having to move from my home. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.